And I don't say these things to scare you. A lot of people are like, how am I supposed to live in this world where there's EMF everywhere? My phone has 5G and I sleep with my dog and that's not going to change. It's really about understanding how we can shift your environment to make things safer, simple things to switch things about to increase your vitality so that your body can not only fight this for us, but then in future be able to mitigate this. Hello, welcome my friend. Today we're going to be talking about all the sorts of symptoms that you might be having and starting to connect those symptoms, what could be going on in the broader scope of things. So I was interviewed by my friend Autumn McLeese, who's an experienced Southern California birth doula, educator, and podcast host. Her No Better, Do Better endeavor seeks to educate and empower women and moms in search of natural alternative solutions for health, birth, and beyond. By her own example, she has demonstrated that natural alternatives are a powerful source of living from her own C-section to VBAC home birth. I hope I said that right. I am not into all those details, as well as curing an autoimmune disorder with guidance from an alternative functional medicine practitioner. Join Autumn on her mission to help awaken and encourage women to live an abundant life through natural alternative methods. So I was interviewed by Autumn a bunch of months ago, and the podcast episode was pretty darn good. Her questions were just so awesome. And I love her community and the sorts of questions that they had and the things they wanted to know that I asked Autumn if I could share this episode of her show on my show. And she agreed. So you guys get to hear Autumn interviewing me talking about the sorts of symptoms that I see people go through and how to connect that to what's actually going on from a root cause perspective. So let's cut to today's interview. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation. Hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. everyone. Welcome to this new episode. We have Leanne Vogel on with us and I am so excited for all the things that we're going to talk about today. I can't even tell you, but first let's hear about what made you want to specialize in blood chemistry and nutrition. Kind of give us a little background on you in that way. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you so much for having me Autumn. Hello everybody. Yeah. So my name is Leanne. I studied nutrition in 2007 And why I wanted to study nutrition, I'll be quite honest, I had an eating disorder and I was really, really sick. And a a colleague and friend actually suggested that I learn nutrition because maybe then I would actually feed myself. 
So I thought it was an okay idea. Went to the school, really liked it. The professors were really awesome. So I thought, why not? And it really wasn't to help other people. I had no interest. I just wanted to see what food was all about. And then after I graduated, I felt like, wait a minute, there's so much that I know I want to help people. And that's when I started working one-on-one with clients. I didn't really have a niche at that point. I didn't really know like what my voice was or what I wanted to share. And so a couple of years went by and I started Healthful Pursuit, my blog at that point, which was a vegan blog in 2010. And so fast forward a whole bunch of years, we're now to 2020. I've just been diagnosed with a pathogenic parasite. I've used the ketogenic diet to get my hormones back online. I'm a best-selling author. I've toured the world talking about keto and hormones and all the things, but my health still wasn't absolutely perfect. And it's never going to be perfect, perfect. We don't live in a vacuum. Things are going to happen. And I didn't know how to handle it. And so I worked with somebody who did the best that they could with the information that they had, but it wasn't exactly what I needed. And that's what made me get into functional blood chemistry. In fact, um, one of my now dear friends, I'm friends with him as well as his wife, introduced me to functional blood chemistry. And I was like, you can tell what from the blood? Like, I have so much blood work from years and years and years. You're telling me that I could actually see parasites. You're telling me I could see mold. You're telling me that I could see low stomach acid and needs for different nutrients, like from a basic blood panel. And he's like, yes. And I'm like, tell me everything, you know. And so he taught me everything he knew. And then I studied under a bunch of other people. And yeah, it was really out of all of these things were out of self necessity that then turned into wait, I know too much to not share this with other people. And so I think that's why my dad actually helped me name my blog Healthful Pursuit because he knew even way back then, like Leanne, you're not going to stick with one thing. And if you name it Leanne's vegan blog, it's going to run out after two years, you know, because I'm always like seeking for the next thing, trying to understand things, digging into research. And so that's kind of how we got here. (laughs) Well, I love it. I feel like we're two kindred spirits in that way. And I have to agree with you. So it blew my mind as well when I learned about like our normal blood chemistry labs or whatever you call them, whatever the technical word is, you know, the normal range for that is actually not normal, like what you're getting from your doctor. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to explore this more with you today, because I actually saw a functional medicine doctor years ago to address a health condition, which kind of started me on my health journey. And she was giving me new ranges for things. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, why isn't mainstream medicine like within these ranges? And, you know, it's the same answer. I feel like for everything, it's just, it's, it's all, it's not really about health. You know, you have to be so far gone in left field for it to come up abnormal when in reality, you've got a more narrow range there that is technically your health, healthy range. So exactly. And I think it's really important for us to understand the difference between a diagnostic doctor and a functional medicine practitioner. Like we're going to diagnostic doctors saying, please help me functionally. And they're like, there's nothing wrong with you because they're looking at disease. And I have a a person in my life that's quite close to me and she's gone through a lot of issues over the last couple of years. And she went to doctor after doctor after doctor. And they kept saying, there's nothing wrong with you. And I'm like, this is kind of a blessing. You've gone to so many different specialists and they've said diagnostically, there's nothing wrong. So what you're experiencing is not wrong. It's happening to you. A hundred percent is happening to you, but it's not diagnostic yet. And that's a blessing. So 
since every specialist you know of has said you're fine, let's look at you functionally and figure out how we can coach up function and understand that you're right. There's, there's a big diagnostic range for blood work. And then there's a functional range and probably what you're experiencing, if it's only been a couple of years, it's probably not diagnostic yet. And so let's work on coaching your body up functionally before it gets to that diagnostic area. And so that's, yeah, when you realize that and you understand, like you've just been going to the wrong person for the thing you've been experiencing, that was a huge light bulb moment for myself and for my clients. And when you're stuck in that space, like there are a lot of people who are stuck in standard medical care, looking for allopathic, like functional answers to allopathic doctors, and they just throw medications at it because that's what they're trained to do. And that's okay. That works great. When you need it to work, it will work. But for those functional issues, it probably won't work and it'll just cause more issues. And so that's where we need to stand up for ourselves and just say, wait, I don't think that this is right. I don't think that what I'm doing here is okay. And I need to find other answers. And that's really what I've had to go through, probably what you've had to go through. And and many people listening of like, that this process is not working for me. There has to be another way. And I think when we start to hear that there's another way, it's like, wait, there's another way? Like, this is awesome. And that was functional blood chemistry for me of just like that missing piece in the puzzle at that point in my life. I love it. So well said. And the goal, obviously, with this podcast is to help open people's eyes to these other these other ways, these other means of, of knowing better so you can do better and so you can yeah. live that healthier life. So let's just dive right in because we're going to have so much fun talking about these topics. And I just have to say more recently, there's been like this parasite theme through my life. You know, you you go through these times in life where, you know, the same thing kind of keeps coming up or you keep hearing it here and there. And you played a role in that for me recently. And I'm like, okay, Leanne, parasites, this is awesome. So since we're going to be talking a little bit about parasites, mold, and heavy metals, let's help those listening who probably have no clue, how do they even get exposed to these things? They're thinking, oh, well, surely I don't have these things. How could one get exposed? You know what? It's a funny story. So I had somebody on my podcast in 2019 talking about mold, metals, and parasites. And I remember sitting there being like, thank the Lord. I do not have any of these things because that is disgusting. I couldn't even imagine a parasite living in my body. And like fast forward six months being diagnosed with a chronic parasite. (laughs) Like It's just like perfect. So how we get exposed to these. So metals and chemicals, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to kind of look around and understand that we're being annihilated with chemicals and metals on a daily basis. I know that the body can handle a certain amount, right? Like if you have a small exposure, it's not a big deal. Our livers can process it, but it's not just one thing. It's our skincare products, the fragrances that we wear, the fragrances in our home, our home care products, the chemicals on our furniture that are new, mattresses, clothing. I mean, it's just too much and the body just can't keep up. So it's a mixture of metals and chemicals in that area. Amalgam fillings are a huge issue. They're off gassing in your mouth every moment of every day. Anytime you chew down on those, if you take B12 lozenges, you should stop if you have amalgams because it causes more off gassing. So like this is a real thing that's happening and oral health is one of the key pieces to understanding 
this whole piece because if your mouth is unhealthy, your gut is going to be unhealthy, your liver is going to be unhealthy, your hormones are going to be a mess. So it's all interconnected. So metals and chemicals is a lot to do with environment and just your exposures overall. Similarly to mold, I think it was a statistic that I read a couple of weeks ago that 80% of homes in the USA have some form of water damage. Like if you just think back to the home you're living in, has the bathtub ever overflowed? Like kids playing and they just fill up the bathtub too much. That happens quite common. Even the caulking of your shower, is it all discolored and you clean it and it comes right back? Um, there are specific mycotoxins that are generated specifically from the caulking, like when you see it all dirty and gross. Dishwashers overflowing, washer dryers overflowing, the ice maker in your fridge that you, have you ever cleaned that thing? Did you even know that you could? right? So there are all these little exposures in addition to just like serious water damage, like flooding, hurricanes, and people are just drying it up with some fans and putting some drywall up and the studs were wet before, but they're not going to be seen and it'll be fine. So there's actually a lot of mold exposure and you would be surprised at how many people experience mold exposure. In fact, last Friday, my husband and I went to a hotel for some dinner And I sat down and I was like, I have to pee. And then 30 minutes later, I have to pee. By the third time, I'm like, there's mold in this building. We need to eat and go like wrap it up. Let's go. Because I could tell like my body was clearly just like this environment is not safe. And I just started urinating a lot. Okay. And so the last piece is parasites. Now, a healthy vitality rich body should be able to fight off the parasites we're exposed to on a daily basis through undercooked meats, our dogs licking us, sleeping with our dogs, uh, walking in grass where animals have been. I mean, there's lots of ways through food and our environment where we can get parasites. But when you have a body that's exposed to mold, that has all the chemicals and metals, that liver stagnation is happening, stress is happening, therefore we don't have high enough stomach acid, all these things are making it much more challenging for our body to be able to fight off parasites. So in the case of parasites, it's generally that our body's just too weak to fight off these exposures. And so one with parasites, it's important to obviously eradicate them. But number two is build back a stronger body. And so that's why it's not just parasites. It's usually also mold, it's metals, it's chemicals. It's sometimes pathogenic bacteria like Lyme and co-infections and all this stuff kind of creates a soup in our body. EMFs is also part of this weakening our body. So there's a lot of pieces at play, but I hope that answers your questions on just the exposure. And I, and I don't say these things to scare you. A lot of people are like, how am I supposed to live in this world where there's EMF everywhere? My phone has 5G and I sleep with my dog and that's not going to change. It's really about understanding how we can shift your environment to make things safer, simple things to switch things about to increase your vitality so that your body can not only fight this for us, but then in future be able to mitigate this. And in the case of our environment, I'm of the firm belief that every three months, even after you've cleaned up, you're going to have to do some mold binding and some metals binding. We don't live in a vacuum and these things are going to happen. Like the case of my Friday night dinner. And I'm like, Kate, I'm going to go on a mold binder for a couple days just to clear out whatever that was. And we move on. But when we ignore it for that long, it can become an issue long term. I love your perspective right out the gate on that because this conversation could get very overwhelming quick. Yeah. And it's, it's a journey, you know, but it's something that 
I think the more each person listening can be aware of, the better, because, well, the more we know, the better we can do in these ways. So just quickly to wrap up this, what you were just saying, because I know some of these actually feed off of each other. So it is kind of a vicious cycle, just so people have a chance to learn you know, isn't it that like heavy or uh, parasites feed off of heavy metals and then it yeah, creates so an acidic environment in general? And you exactly know. think of parasites like a vat for everything. So parasites are one of the larger microorganisms that will live in the body. And so they feed off of the mycotoxins, the pathogenic bacteria, the viruses, the metals, the chemicals. So they're just chomping down on this. Also your ferritin, Ferritin is one of the best markers for parasite infections. So if I see a person with ferritin around like 25 to 35, I instantly think, okay, do we need to check for parasites? Because parasites will eat up ferritin. So they like to chomp down on all the goods, including all the nutrients you're eating. So they're really like, they're usually the first one you go to because they're holding so many things. And so once you kind of get those out of the way, you can clean up the body, maybe go back to parasites. It takes a while, of course, because the body, depending on how long you've had all these, but yeah, that's kind of the flow of how things go. It might not have started with parasites, but the body wants the parasites there to eat up the things that are there. And so it's kind of like this healthy balance, the parasites kind of helping the body in a way, but like not helping the body because it's causing like grinding teeth issues and hormone issues and blurry vision and maybe you're hungry all the time. And so there can be some issues there, just like managing your overall health. Insomnia as well? Insomnia. Insomnia, yes. During the full moon, especially like if you just can't sleep like five days before, five days after the full moon, generally insomnia is more of a mold thing. Like if you're living in mold, insomnia is a big, big clue to that piece. But if you find like your insomnia kind of goes in rotations and it's with the full moon, that's a parasite thing. Interesting. (laughs) Because didn't you say once that parasites, or maybe I read it somewhere, do do parasites eat up our serotonin levels? Yeah, so parasite and serotonin kind of play off one another. And so that's why it can cause some issues during the full moon, especially because they're more active during that time. Yeah, super, super great stuff. And even at night, like, I know it sounds a little bit wonky, but as we're walking and things, the parasites will kind of like move to the bottom of our body. And when we lay down, they'll move like because we're horizontal. And so you might get more symptoms when you're horizontal than you do vertical. Interesting. I know it's kind of gross for people to think of. Super random thought, but I wonder if parasites have anything to do with sundowner syndrome. You know how older people like struggle and they get kind of kooky at night. I don't know. I mean, it could, I mean, people can get pretty kooky during the full moon when you have parasites. I know I've experienced that personally, super not fun for anyone who lives with you. (laughs) Any other symptoms to spout off just while we're in this area, you mentioned the insomnia and mold, any other like real hot topics that. Yeah, totally. So for parasites, um, like mood issues, drooling when you're sleeping, that, that was a big one that I experienced grinding your teeth for parasites. Metals is a lot of like anxiety issues, dizziness. Um, you can also get ringing in your ears or if you hear your heartbeat kind of like pumping in your ears, that was a big one that I experienced personally. Irritability, anger, like just mood that's just not right. Like just flipping a switch and all of a sudden you're just like, bah! PCOS is also linked to metals. Um, so if you can't get a handle on your PCOS, that's a big one. 
for mold, it's a lot of like skin issues, acne, brain fog, insomnia, which we already touched on the urination piece, which I already touched on. Like if you're peeing all the time and you're like, what is going on here? That's totally mold issues. And then aches, headaches, migraines, pain, that sort of thing for mold. Wow. So I track my macros every three to four days instead of every day, because I don't know about you, but I can get really nuts over the whole process if I'm doing it daily. But the twice a week tracking helps me stay on target, helps me learn my natural tendencies, especially when I'm left unsupervised and actually encourages me to change habits ongoing. This process has helped me feel out what it's like when I don't eat enough fat in the day. I'm sure you've had this feeling before too. The clock strikes like 7.30 p.m. You've had dinner a little over an hour ago and now you're in the mood for something. On days I'm tracking, this feeling is always because I don't have enough fat during the day. Always. I'm usually about 20 to 30 grams or 180 to like 270 calories short of my fat for the day with a very little wiggle room on carbs or protein. That's never a problem for me. So what do you do when you're hungry? You have 200-ish calories to spare, but they can only be mostly fat. Now, if you're hardcore like me, coconut oil definitely came to mind, but no, that's not where we're going today. We're going to talk about macadamia nuts. Instead of grabbing for that snack-sized Boom Chicka Pop or those keto Oreos from Costco, macadamia nuts are the world's natural fat bomb, rich in monounsaturated fat, over 60% fiber, and has a potent dose of potassium too. This is the mineral that sensitizes your cells to uptake thyroid hormones so that your metabolism stays revved up. One serving of 270 calories and a whopping 27 grams of fat so you can hit your fat macro without having to eat another one of those cream cheese fat bombs you have in your freezer. No thanks. And let's talk a sec about monounsaturated fats. They encourage weight loss. They reduce pain and stiffness. They lower the risk of heart disease and stroke. They balance out LDL cholesterol and improve blood sugar control. Plus, macadamias taste delicious, but it's really hard to find macadamia nuts that don't taste like plasticky or they're really crumbly and dry and they don't have crunch. This is why the only brand I trust and prefer is House of Macadamias because they source directly from farmers and hand sort their products in the world's leading harvest facility in South Africa. I love, love, love the macadamia packs from houseofmacadamias.com. Each little packet is loaded with flavor. They have onion, sea salt, zesty salsa, chocolate, white chocolate, and white chocolate raspberry dipped dairy-free flavors loaded with those fats that you need without any funky ingredients. And did I say they're all dairy-free? That's incredible. Head to houseofmacadamias.com slash KDP and check out their selection of fat-filled snacks. They even have bars too, which I really enjoy. And if you like what you see, use the code KDP20 for 20% off your first purchase. That's houseofmacadamias.com slash KDP. Use the code KDP20 for 20% off. Okay, so... Before we move on to blood work, what are some things that we can do about these underlying issues? You mentioned binders. Maybe fill us in on what a binder is, 
you know, if there's a way to use it or if we need to see a practitioner such as yourself, what does that look like? Yeah. So if you kind of want to do this yourself, I've put together just like a really basic beginner guide that you can follow. That's totally free. If you go to healthfulpursuit.com slash parasites and just check that out. And I kind of outline. So basically you really need to do two steps. One is open up drainage. So that means like, think of your body like a sponge and it needs to be squeezing out things on a daily basis. Like my body did in that moldy hotel. Had I been three years ago, I wouldn't have been peeing all the time. I would have just been holding on to those mycotoxins and I would have felt terrible. So your body needs a way to get rid of all the things. How it does that is urine, poo, sweat, breath. You get the idea. The lymph moves things all over through the lymphatic system. And so first you have to focus on drainage. And so that could be as simple as taking a couple of herbal remedies focused on perhaps the um, liver. Maybe you think like, oh, you know, and we can use blood work to kind of indicate what support we need. That's why I love using the blood work to just determine what is the block drainage pathway. Do kidneys need to be focused on if the person's been dealing with more metals and mold or do the bowels need to be worked on if people have been dealing more with parasites? Or does the lymphatic system need to be worked on if people are dealing with more like parasites and pathogenic bacteria like Lyme and co-infections? But some really simple questions to just ask yourself is intuitively, where do you feel like you struggle? Like, do you make short belly breath, like short breaths and you find like, just ask a friend, hey, when I'm not paying attention, like focus, check my breath and do you even see me breathing? That could be a good sign that your lung drainage is weak. Um, if you deal with cellulite, that's a good sign that your lymph drainage is weak. If you're constipated or have diarrhea, uh, that could be a good sign that your bowel drainage is weak. If you deal with acne or irritability, or if somebody comes up behind you, you scare really easily, that could be a good sign of liver drainage being weak. Also, if you had your gallbladder taken out, that could be a sign of liver drainage being weak. And so once you understand that, then it's about supporting that specific drainage area for 30 days before you get started with parasites. This is the biggest piece to it because so many people at the gate are like, okay, I'm going to Google parasite cleanse and I'm going to do this for 30 days and the parasites are going to be gone. That's a really bad idea. It's probably going to make you gain weight. You're going to feel terrible and it probably won't work because 30 days is not long enough to even address them. And so if me sharing all this is like, Leanne, I don't even know what intuitive means and what my liver's doing or how I even can tell about anything. Then 100% work with a practitioner. I would love to help guide you. I also have like a, a root cause group where monthly we go through these things together and it's like a low cost group where you kind of manage it yourself, but I guide you through it too so that you're handheld through the whole process if working one-on-one with somebody is just not an option. And so when, once you open up drainage, you got everything going, then it's about addressing parasites. And like you said, it's important to take a binder with this and the binder helps remove things out of the body, right? So let's just say everyone's pretty familiar with activated charcoal, right? So imagine activated charcoal as being like a little claw that picks up those parasites and moves it out of the body. Problem with activated charcoal is going to pick up some But then as it's moving it out of the body, it's going to drop like 90% of it. And so it's really important to rotate your binders, understand different benefits to binders. But but I think the biggest piece here is to just understand that you need a binder, you need a killing agent, and you need a biofilm buster. 
And so depending on your body and your needs, you're going to start one before the other. I would suggest doing binder first, then antimicrobial agents, usually one, at least one of them, if not two, and then a biofilm buster, which basically goes in and breaks down. How do I say it? Like the walls that the parasites build around themselves. So the body can't fight with you. And as you start to break down that biofilm, all of a sudden the body will start to work with us in this endeavor because a lot of the times the body doesn't really know that it's there, especially in the case of dealing with mold at the same time as parasites, which is not uncommon, um, where the, where the immune system is totally focused on the mold and totally blind to the parasites. So again, step one, drainage, step two, killing. And within that killing, you want a binder a biofilm agent and an antimicrobial agent, at least one of them, if not two of them. I love it. So they have a plan of attack and they can obviously connect with you, get in your group, all that. Yes. We've got solutions for you folks. It's all good. It's all good. Let's move into blood work. So obviously we're not the expert, but you mentioned ferritin. I'm kind of curious if you have some other labs that you can mention that are connected to some of these things. And I mean, I don't know you would know more than I do. They don't seem like the average type of labs that that your doctor would run. So I'm not sure if you're going to get your yearly blood work and be able to run and go check and see what Leanne taught us. So maybe there's some extra labs that we need to ask for, but then maybe doctors won't run them. Fill us in on that. Yeah. So, okay. There are many different types of blood work that you can do. I mean, you could just go to labcorp.com and like, look at how many markers there are. And a lot of stuff can get really expensive. The really cool thing about functional blood chemistry is most of the answers can be used with just your basic blood work that your doctor is going to run for you on a yearly basis or during a checkup. That includes your CMP 14, your CBC, And maybe if you're lucky, they'll do an iron panel, but you're right. Iron panel with ferritin is usually not ran. Maybe they'll test your TIBC, which is one of the iron markers. And if that's wonky, maybe they'll test your ferritin, but ferritin is not generally something that they'll run right off the gate. Though I have seen that on standard blood work. So it really just depends on your insurance and your doctor and what they're doing. But when it comes to, for example, a parasite pattern, And so we have to understand that one blood work marker doesn't mean one thing. Low ferritin could be multiple things at the same time. It could be feeding into a pattern of parasites. It could be feeding into a pattern of low iron. It could be feeding into a... Yeah, those are kind of like the two common ones when it comes to ferritin. So with the parasite pattern, we can look at elevated asonophils, which is in your CBC panel, elevated basophils, which is also in your CBC panel, elevated monocytes, which is also in that same panel, low ferritin, which we already talked about. And then we get into some of the items that are in your uh, CMP14, including sometimes it'll be low alkaline phosphatase when dealing with parasites. Sometimes LDH will be involved and sometimes BUN will be involved also being low. And then ASTALT, which is also part of your CMP14, which should be on your blood work, will be elevated or sometimes low. Uh, with parasites, depending on how chronic it is and what your liver is doing. And so those are just, I mean, you probably have those. I know when I was first diagnosed with entamoeba histolytica, which is a pathogenic parasite, and then I learned about functional blood chemistry, I went through all my blood work from then all the way back to 2009 and found the year that I started testing positive in my blood work for parasites using that pattern. 
So I'd had it for quite some time. Wow. Yeah. So that's like how to, how to see a parasite pattern. And is there any for heavy metals or mold that we might be able to identify? Yeah. So, so the reason I started with parasites is that the metals and mold pattern is super challenging to see. And the issue with the metals and mold pattern, they're they're two separate patterns, but you also have to use the functional ranges. And so even with the parasite pattern, like for example, that ferritin would be between 25 to 35. The monocytes would probably be above 6%. The asonophils would be above 3%. But you're going to look on your markers and see like asonophils are elevated in those allopathic ranges above like 10 or 15, sometimes 20, depending on the lab and what they deem elevated. And so when we get into the mold pattern, like for example, with mold, monocytes are involved, CO2 is involved, CRP, ESR, basophils, bun, creatinine, and they're all pulling in opposite directions. But if I had to say like one marker that may make you curious about whether or not there maybe could be some sort of mold issue is going to be your CO2. If that's sitting at like 17, I would wonder if maybe there's a mold issue. That's probably like the number one marker that I use to be like, hmm, I wonder if there's more going on. And then I go into the further pattern. With metals too, a lot of this is just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a big pattern. Metals is a is a huge pattern, but you can sometimes use your MCV, MCH and MCHC. And if they're pulling apart or they're low, um, that can be a good indication that there could be a metals piece. But I think there's like 35 to 40 different markers in that pattern. So the more markers you have in a pattern, the more it completes the pattern is basically how I describe it. So let's say you have low CO2, but all the other markers that are associated with potential mold issues are fine. Then it's like, is it mold or is it something else? Like it's probably something else if it's just the one marker, but the more markers you have, the louder it's going to be. And then therefore the more likelihood that there could be an issue. Yeah. So it gets a little bit more complicated with the, with the mold of metals. I, I can imagine. Is this within the range of though, this is allopathic medicine ranges, or this is, we wouldn't be really be able to look at our blood work because it's more of a functional range that we need to have in mind, right? It, exactly. So I shared a little bit about the parasite patterns and the numbers to kind of look for that are more um, functional. And if you, if you have blood work and it's just like, there are all the sorts of things and you're really curious about this stuff, I've put together a little program to kind of give you all of the functional ranges and the reasons, the most common reasons why they're high or low. And I know that when I first got started on this journey, I was like Googling like functional ranges of like bun and then researching it like crazy and trying to figure it out. And then I put it in my little spreadsheet and I could never get like a full list until I spent thousands of dollars on like super hardcore programs to teach me how to understand blood work on a deep level. And maybe those listening don't want like that much. They just want to see like what's high and low so that I can advocate for myself better than um, yeah, I have a blood work course on my website. It's like less than, I think it's around $200 and goes through not only the US ranges, but the Canadian ranges and how to use that with metric and standards. So depending on where you are, you can understand each marker and then which markers to pull, what they mean, the highs and lows to just give you like an introductory, how do I look at my blood work myself and start to understand whether or not things are high or low, because it does, it gets so much more complicated without like going through 
for two hours and being like, okay, ferritin between this number and this number, like it, there's just a lot to it. Yeah. I, I can imagine. And I'm so excited you have that because that's totally my jam. Like I will just eat all that information up. So if anyone out there is like curious and wants to kind of take some of that power back into your own hands, definitely go check that out. I'm so glad you mentioned that. Okay. Because I'm a birth doula, I also want to just ask if there's anything in particular that you may or may not know that, you know, could correlate or come up during pregnancy or any signs or symptoms with, you know, infants or newborns that can't really talk yet. I don't know if there's any, any signs or signals at all that could be concerning or, you know, possibly could link back to one of these, uh, these three areas. Yeah. So I don't personally work with children, but I have a practitioner on my team that does because she's just so good at it. But I think one of the bigger pieces to understand is if you are currently in an environment where you are sick, chances are your kids are too. And I have to have those conversations with my clients often But the beautiful thing is that kids are, they detox so quickly and it's so easy for them generally to start feeling better. Oftentimes it takes like one or two different tinctures to like set up their body nice. Not all the time. Of course, there are those like severe cases. Like I don't want to discount that if anyone's listening and they're saying like my baby went through it all hundred percent. I don't doubt it. Um, Their bodies are so much more sensitive, but oftentimes at least with my clients, they start working with me because they're not feeling good. And when we determine kind of what the environmental factors are, especially if they had amalgam fillings at the time of being pregnant. And I think a lot of parents, like you don't know what you know until you know it. And then you're like, ah, I did that to my child. And that can be a really terrible place to be in. And I know I've worked with many women that have felt terrible over the choices that they've made. But I think it just comes to like, you didn't know. Now you do. What are we going to do and move forward? Right? Like there's, we can't go, there's no take backsies. Um, and the beautiful thing is, is that your kids are usually pretty resilient. Um, many of my clients will do like little mini protocols for their kids and just a couple tinctures, especially when kids are living in mold, um, or have lived in mold and they've been removed from it and they don't have many signs and symptoms. Generally, they're going to show like mood behaviors usually is what I find most common skin issues, allergic reactions, those sorts of things are some of the more common ones. But I would say if you're concerned about it with your body and your kid lives in the same house, has the same environment, drinks the same tap water, like those simple things that we can shift out to help the entire family is, is usually a good idea. Yeah. That's interesting. You bring up kids. Are they I was thinking as you were speaking, are they as susceptible to getting parasites, would you say, than an adult? Maybe not quite as as susceptible? You know what? I don't know. It's not something that I really focus on. Like my, my niche is very much like women and their husbands who come to work with me and they both experience some like very similar issues. I will say that when the home is infested with like mites and those sorts of things. I've had a couple of those cases or they all go on vacation and they get bitten by sand flies. That's another big issue or a ton of mosquito bites and they'll all get something. But usually the kids are pretty resilient. What I see them responding to most is metals and mold. Is I haven't seen personally a lot of clients whose children have 
a bunch of parasites back to back to back. It's mostly the metals mold situation. And then I refer them to the practitioner that's on my team to work with the children because she does a much better job. And it's just, I think it's important as a practitioner to know our limits and I can, I can do so many things But when it comes to children. I think because I don't have my own, there's just a special finesse that takes place and you just know kids a lot more. And it's just not something that I know as well as I know, like men and women bodies and how they respond to things. Totally. Okay. One last question before we move on with your clients that have parasites, how easily transferable (laughs) or are they transferable from human to human? Like, is that something that we need to be mindful of? Yeah. Even mycotoxins with mold can be transferred. Really? Yes. Yeah. uh Uh-huh. How does that take place? Well, are we talking uh, like more intimacy type moments? Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Through semen generally is the mycotoxins, um, especially. And I've, I've had a couple of cases with this. And at first I was like, is this possible? And so I asked one of my mentors and she's like, yes, definitely. That's totally possible. So with mycotoxins, I do see that quite a lot. H. pylori, I see that all the time. Like if somebody has H. pylori, their stomach acid is going to be low and that's going to bring in parasites. And so they may, because... It's really, it's really challenging because they live in the same environment. Are they passing it between each other? Are they just getting it at the same time that they're eating the same food, sleeping with the same dog, having the same exposures? So I would say that's more of a concern of just the overall environmental thing. As far as I've seen, like clinically with my clients, and oftentimes the challenge is, like we know, like ladies, we just feel so much more and it's so much more important to us, our health and things. I find it's more challenging to get our men to be like, okay, like you have to do this age pylori protocol and so we can build up your stomach acid and then we're going to kill parasites. And they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. And so especially with age pylori, that one's going to be pretty challenging because that is going to be passed. Like you kiss and then it happens again. And you're like, so with age pylori, we really got to get on top of it because as the H. pylori reduces your stomach acid, you're going to be more susceptible to parasites. So that's kind of like stage one to this whole process. But I think explain what H. pylori is just really quickly. Yeah. So H. pylori is a pathogenic bacteria that resides primarily in the stomach and it causes low stomach acid. And so a lot of people that have H. pylori will have a lot of gastro issues, um, specifically like heartburn and those sorts of things. Um, It can be quite painful, actually. And a lot of people will just start taking hydrochloric acid or take things like Tums because they think if they're getting acid in the back of their throat that it's because they have too much acid. And so all of a sudden we have this environment where we don't have stomach acid, which Stomach acid is supposed to be there to kill off the things, break down the stuff. And so oftentimes with people that have low hydrochloric acid, the reason we can see it in their blood work is because all their protein markers will be lower. So we're going to see like lower bun, lower creatinine, and that's how it can kind of show us what one of the root causes could be. And so when there's H. pylori, oftentimes the body is allowing it to be there because there's parasites, but it's not making things any better because we don't have enough stomach acid. And so with H. pylori, unfortunately, and some practitioners will use hydrochloric acid supplements while one has H. pylori. I don't necessarily practice that way only because the actual stomach acid will make the H. pylori bury into the stomach lining further. And if left untreated, it can turn into stomach like ulcers and ultimately cancer. And so 
the worse and worse and worse it gets. And so it's really something that you got to stay on top of, but it's a very, 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 very common bacteria. Like a lot of people have it and carry it. And so, yeah, I see that being passed back and forth and forth and back through the house, all the things. And there is a way to test for that. Yes. I really like using a stool test. I use GI map from diagnostic solutions. I find that to be the best test between all the other tests. And I usually do like a full assessment with the GI map and go through it and just kind of determine is H. pylori one of those issues? And then which type of dysbiotic pattern do we have that we're working with in order to bring back balance to the body? And Stool testing won't always show parasites only because they're only testing for a couple of parasites and there's way more than they test for. So if you've done a stool test and then your doctor or functional practitioner says like, you don't have parasites, that's a lie. Don't believe them. If you have the symptoms for parasites, you have a history for parasites, you have that asonophil increase with the low ferritin. I mean, treat the parasites, like don't base off the stool test, but the H. pylori results on the GI map, I found to be super reliable and fantastic and like a total game changer for a ton of people. Awesome. So good to know. How many parasite cleanses that you recommend or do you just truly recommend that someone get plugged in with a practitioner before starting a cleanse? Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Like I've been in a place where financially I can't work with a practitioner and pay for the supplements and do all the things. And so it can be a challenge, right? If you know that you need to do something and then you can't do something because you don't have the financial capacity to do something, that's a really horrible place to be. That's why I came up with that free outline. Is it perfect for everybody? No, but is it a good starting point? Totally. So again, that's healthfulpursuit.com slash parasites. And then, yeah, I mean, if you can work with a practitioner that sees this all the time, you know, and can tailor make a approach for you, because I mean, I have some clients that can't handle the super strong stuff. I love using Cellcore, Pair 1, Pair 2, Pair 3, and Pair 4 products with my clients. They work. But for some people, they do not work. It causes them to herx. They have the worst time and it just doesn't work. And so then we have to go to the drawing board and do like maybe individual items like uh, Alaria or Golden Thread or Artemisia and just individual herbs to kill off the parasites like slowly. Um, And everyone responds to something a little bit differently. But like I said, the most important thing is your killing agent, your biofilm buster and your binder and just combining those and doing it at least for two months, if not three, only because there's a life cycle to parasites. And just because you kill them for three months doesn't mean they're going to be gone, like that they're gone. I have many clients that we go through a clear order of operations over 10 to 12 months, and then we go back to parasites and then we do a liver flush and then we do metals and then we go back to parasites. Like you would be amazed at how much stuff can come out of a person and how much stuff can be held in these bodies. Like it is crazy. We are really sponges. And so once we coach up that vitality, we're far less more susceptible or far less susceptible to ongoing issues. Just like my story of there was a time where if I walked in that hotel with that mold, it would, I would have knocked me out for weeks. I would have been a wreck. And it was so cool to see my body be like, "Mm, mold, get it out, get it out, get it out. And I was fine the next day. I did my binders. I did my mitochondria support. I knew exactly what tools to use and my body handled it perfect. So 
now I can be exposed to more things and my body is more open and, and able to flush that stuff out. I love that. That's really what it's about. And I, it's a journey, obviously, in learning yeah. all of this. But if you can work with someone, it will be so, so worth it. So worth it. Yeah. And uh, I appreciate you sharing all this. Everybody says that when you start a ketogenic diet and the further you get into your ketogenic diet, the more free from hunger that you are. I never really experienced that. Yeah, there have been times where I just haven't felt like it. And for sure, I can fast longer than I could ever be in glucose field. I've been keto off and on since 2014, primarily spending about 70% of my time in a state of ketosis. And I can tell you my snack game is just as strong as it was when I was fully glucose fueled. The only difference is that I crave meats and fats. Whereas before I could be found with maybe a little bag of popcorn or some sort of sweets. I really liked jelly bellies. So I don't think my snacking will ever change, but definitely the quality of the products and just the structure of what I'm eating has definitely shifted. I will always have a bag of macadamia nuts or a protein bar or paleo valley sticks in my purse. Now, I really love their beef sticks. I am obsessed with their garlic summer sausage. All of my friends know that the way to my heart is through a paleo valley meat stick, and many of them stock them in their homes. So when I go over, I have a snack. It is so sweet. Now, paleo valley just released their pork sticks, their maple bacon flavor. I've had the chance to polish off two full bags of them. I can tell you that they are absolutely delicious. So tasty. If you want to give them a try, just go to paleovalley.com and check out all their snacks and drinks. They have a list of their pork sticks. They also have a link to their grass-fed beef sticks, which I am in love with. Their superfood bars also are pretty darn good. So again, that's paleovalley.com. Use the code KETO. Once you've loaded up your cart, KETO, the coupon code, will give you 15% off your first order of beef sticks or pork sticks or superfood bars. Anything you can find on there is 15% off with the code KETO. Let's kind of switch gears here as we get ready to kind of wrap it up. We've talked about all these, you know, means of healing in these three areas, but I'd like to quickly touch on something that not everybody talks about that much. And that is the emotional side to healing. What do you recommend for people that are looking to heal and think, oh, well, diet and supplements, you know, that's great. That's good. We need to do that. But we need to dig oftentimes a little bit more because there can be that emotional deep-rooted side that can even possibly what prevent us from healing too, right? Yeah, I'm so glad you touched on this. And it's something that I've seen firsthand with many of my clients. First, just the, the unwillingness to actually get better. I see that a lot. And it's something that I've dealt with personally of like, what's life going to be like when I actually feel better? And a lot of us hold on to our, our quirks and it makes us who we are and it makes us quote unquote special to have these problems. And so I think a big piece to this whole work is truly letting go of the symptoms and issues and being comfortable with being okay. You know, like that is a big piece to this. I think another piece is childhood traumas and just relationship issues with parents and childhood and all that kind of stuff that can limit us a whole bunch. 
I really like EMDR. I really like somatic therapy. I really like emotional release therapy. Like these are the three that I've seen time and time again, make the most shift in people as quickly as possible. I personally am blown away by emotional release therapy. I don't even know how, but when I come to my therapist and I'm like this one thought, I just can't let it go. I just can't let it go. And we go through it and all of a sudden it's gone and it doesn't come back. And I'm like, this is so crazy. It's so crazy. So emotional release therapy is one of my personal favorites. There's also a spiritual component that mm-hmm. I found has been absolutely transformative for my own wellness. I was a new age practice human I did a lot of new agey things, crystals, yoga, meditation, that sort of thing. And I just kept seeking and couldn't find the answers and kept feeling like I was broken. And one day I accepted Jesus into my heart and that changed everything. Like to experience great, the grace and mercy that he provides is just incredible on a daily basis, getting time in the word. And that has not only changed my life and my relationships and how I see my purpose on this world and and what my goals are, but also my practice and and who I'm connecting with and even wanting to help people has been such a different shift for me. And so whatever that spiritual component is for you, I highly encourage everyone to ask the question like, what is God? What am I doing here? And what is truth? And that to me has been a huge part also knowing when it's time to stop of when it's time to say, you know, like we said at the beginning, your health is never going to be perfect. You're going to have things happen. You don't live in a vacuum. You're going to deal with stuff and it's not going to be perfect this side of heaven. And so sometimes you just have to deal with it. Sometimes I have to understand my thyroid is never going to be perfect. I'm going to have to take medication for it. It's just, it's going to have to happen and I'm going to have high days and low days and that's okay. I think before, and we can get into this loop of like, Oh, but it feels really good to do parasite cleanses. It feels really good to do that. And I feel so much better. I want to feel better, but we need to also balance it with like understanding it's not going to be perfect and you're just going to have to live with some things. And that's a tension that we all have to carry. And it's all very different depending on where we're at in our life. But those are like kind of the key pieces and also understanding a lot of women come to me and they say that their husbands aren't on board with the work that they're doing. That's a really challenging one to navigate because financially and having that support in the home, if it means that much to you, maybe going to therapy with them and explaining kind of why it's important to you, what the goals are. And I've seen some really positive changes of couples that end up working through that. And then I end up working with the husbands also. So that's really exciting too, of just, you know, feeling validated by your partner, (laughs) you know, and the issues that you're experiencing can be quite, quite a huge shift. Um, when somebody in your home is constantly saying, like, I don't see the problem. Why are you spending all this money on supplements? And why are you sitting in a sauna for 20 minutes a day when we should be doing X, Y, Z when that person gets on board? And sometimes they won't. Sometimes you got to go it alone and just know that you're doing the right thing and research and know what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, but yeah, those are some of the key pieces, I think. Well, I want to back it up for a minute and say, praise God and amen for that. Cause I'm right there with you, sister. And that is awesome. He is the ultimate healer. So glory to him on that. And everything that you mentioned actually with the whole new age stuff, you know, this could be a whole nother spiritual side to the podcast, but I know that there is, you know, deep, uh, dark, evil suppression within a lot of that, which can, you know, correlate to 
uh, health issues and all sorts of things. So girl, I got stories. (laughs) (laughs) Tune in to part two for Leanne and Autumn. (laughs) Um, no, but seriously, if you're listening to this and you are involved in any of the things that she mentioned, I feel like that's a whole nother crisis amongst us is the spiritual crises of the dark side of the real dark side, evil demonic realm that is alive and well around us. So oh, completely. I mean, we're told that they disguise themselves as an angel of light. And so, I mean, Oh, I mean, I could, I would love to come back and talk about all of that stuff, but it's so true. It's so true. I, I was, I mean, my husband and I were on our way to getting separated just before Jesus saved me. And so we have an amazing relationship now. We're together. We're in love. It's incredible. And it was really because I was going down a dark, dark, dark path and Mm. it was not good. It was not good. So yeah, if Mm. anyone has any questions about that piece to it, you can DM me on Instagram at Leanne Vogel. I'd love to chat with you about it. Even if you say, if it's to say you're wrong and this is why I would love to have that conversation. Like I would love it. Love it. hundred percent. You're such an inspiration. I appreciate you like being so vulnerable to share all these things. And I love your perspective on everything as well with health, because like you said, it is just a process, you know, it's not like you're going to do a parasite cleanse and it's all going to be over. It is a process. You're continually investing in yourself. And, but as you learn and, and you, you grow in this way of knowledge, you know, it's not so overwhelming. Um, and you know, it's manageable and it's worth it. It is so, so worth it. Yes. Okay. So moving on last couple questions, I will just throw them together here. What are your top favorite supplements? So we don't have to go into like detox anymore. We can actually say like from a health standpoint, what do you feel like the average person should be taking daily? And then what three tips would you leave us with? They can be any tips at all, but what three tips? Okay. So the most common supplements that I recommend to my clients, like over and over and over and over and over again, magnesium. That's like a big one. Most people need it. That's a pretty safe bet. A binder. There's like none of my clients are not on some kind of binder. Even if you're not like actively detoxing, having a binder on hand for when GI issues come up or whatever, like always, always have a binder handy, probably CBD. Like I use it quite a lot and I super love it. And I haven't been off CBD in many, many years. Personally, I use it a lot for like anxiety, stress, pain. It's not necessarily a root cause supplement, but it can sure make you feel better in the interim while you figure stuff out. Yeah. CBD for sure. And then three tips, check your water. Water is like more important than food. And so many people just drink tap water, like really garbage water. Like if you're going to spend money on anything, make it an awesome water filter. I like the Berkey. I think it has a lot of hype. I think there's still some stuff in the final product. So if you don't have a Berkey and you're wanting to spend a couple hundred dollars on a filter, I personally like distilled water that's remineralized. It's probably the best, most cleanest water that you could possibly drink. So that's number one. Number two, sunshine. It's free. You can get it anytime. Maybe you don't live in a place where it's overly sunny, but even being outside first thing in the morning, last thing during the day, watching the sunrise, watching the sunset, being outside so awesome for you. 
for your mitochondria, for your mitochondria, for your mitochondria. Those are the energy center of the cells and so important for just overall circadian rhythm, for your hormones, just for feeling good. If you go out into the daytime before like noon, I usually like to go out anywhere between like 7.30 to like 9.30 and then like 4.30 to 5.30-ish, you're going to get the most red light. So you're going to get all the benefits from red light that you hear about with those red light saunas and all the things, but it's free. Number three. Oh, this is so challenging to pick like three things, water, sunlight, and I think play would probably be up there for me of just like, I think so many adults, like we just get so stuck in our nine to five structure and just like having fun being like a kid being silly, like go, if you live by the ocean, go play in the waves and pretend you're a dolphin, like just have fun, uh, laugh. And that is just such good medicine uh, because we take ourselves too seriously. And we just got finished talking about parasites crawling around in your body and like mycotoxins <laughs> filling up your brain. Like, like just like drop it all and go play like a kid. Um, yes, I think it's yes. is so, so important. I think so many health issues are because we're just so stuck up in our ways and we could benefit from pretending we're three years old. Like, what did you do at three years old? If your parents are still living, ask them, like, what was my favorite activity when I was five? Maybe it's playing kitchen and <laughs> you just like grab a bunch of pots and pans. I know one of my favorite or things. Is color. Making... Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> totally. Like, making masha claw where I'd literally just mix up a bunch of random stuff in a bowl and see if I could eat it. Like just play like that. Involve your kids or your husband or friends and just play, I think is a big piece to it too. Oh, Leanne, you are such an inspiration. I love all of this. Everything you're about, you're just, it's so my jive. Like I love it. And I love that we ended on that note because this was like a lot of information to take in, but it's so needed because people need to wake up. Doctors need to wake up. We need to be aware of just these root ailments, which are hidden within our health, literally hidden thanks to the, um, what do you call that film? The biofilm. Bio yeah. Hiding from our own body's immune system. And so I'm so glad to be able to awaken people to these topics. Where can people find you? Let's reiterate some of these places. And if there's anything else you didn't mention, where can people find you? Yeah. So I have a podcast called the keto diet podcast, where we talk about like low carb stuff, functional medicine stuff with like a ketogenic spin on things. Um, so the keto diet podcast, and then my website is healthful pursuit. H-E-A-L-T-H-F-U-L-P-U-R-S-U-I-T.com, healthfulpursuit.com. And then I'm most active on Instagram, um, at Leanne Vogel. So those are some of the ways that you can connect with me and find out what I'm all about. And then that healthfulpursuit.com slash parasites is that free parasite resource. So yeah. Those and are your Facebook group, right? Pardon me? Your Facebook group? Yeah. So it's a, it's a root cause group. And if you just, if you go on my website, healthfulpursuit.com, click on shop, you're going to see coaching and just click on that. And it'll take you to all the different options in the root cause group is on there. If you have no idea what I just said, helpful pursuit of what just go to Instagram at Leanne Vogel, DM me and I'll talk to you about options. 
And you definitely got to go check out her Instagram because she does some great reels all the time on all sorts of different topics. And maybe even something will pop up that we obviously didn't get a chance to talk about, which we will definitely have to have you back because this was so much fun. And you are such a wealth of knowledge. And I just appreciate you, your realness, your mission. And I just pray that God blesses it because clearly he's using you in that way. Thank you so much for having me, Autumn. This was a blast. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll see y'all next time. Take care. I hope you enjoyed our time together today. You can check out Autumn by going to Instagram, going to at Autumn, that's A-U-T-U-M-N dot McLees, that's M-C-L-E-E-S. And her podcast is called The Do Better Podcast. Okay, we will see you back here for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. We'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 